The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello, Happy New Year. Welcome to the Yellow Block podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. I am Tim and I'm joined by a host of post-festive, what would you call you, pundits, fans, uh, hosts, let's go with that, uh, this evening. I'm joined by Lodge. Good evening, sir. Evening, Tim. How are you? I'm not too bad thanking you. I've also got John. Hello, hello. Good evening. And I've also got Mr. Sam Edwards. Hello. Hi, Tim. Happy New Year. Not sure when we stop saying that, but I'm going to keep rolling with it for now. Well, I feel like it's the if it's the first time you've you've seen somebody, um, you'll also uh, appreciate I said seen and not sin there. That's one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, yeah, since uh, it's the first time you've seen somebody, then um, I feel like it's still appropriate to say it. Did you all have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was all right. It went too fast, as it always does. Anyone you get any posh-related gifts? I did, actually. I got this book, my girlfriend's uh, parents bought it for me, and it was like uh, the headlines throughout the years of Peterborough United. Uh, I thoroughly recommend it. There was some good nostalgia looking back through it. Interesting. I noticed that From Hobby to Obsession is currently on sale in the posh shop. Uh, It's only £3 down from, I think it's 18 So if anyone's not yet read Darren McAntony's book, um, get yourself a bargain. There's quite a few things on there at the moment, actually, Sam. There's some really odd... um, I don't quite know why I threw this to you, but there's some really odd, like, there's a really odd range of Peterborough United teddies. There's this weird robot-looking uh, thing. I guess it's maybe because I know you've got, you know, kids, perhaps they would be interested. I don't know, but there's there's a host of stuff on sale. You should check it out. Or you, or you think I'm a massive kid. I, I have a question for John about his book. John, is that like, is that a, an a, like a dedicated Peterborough United book? Or is it one of those presents where, like, it's the same title, but adapted for whichever club you support. And then they obviously pull out the, I mean, obviously either way it's about Peterborough United, but I just, 
that's very that's obviously very niche if it's just about Peterborough United. I welcome it and I love it, but I'm just surprised by how niche that book is to exist yeah, for a I club think, like Peterborough. I think it's like they do it for multiple clubs. Um, so I don't know how they do it, but it's like a proper, like really posh book with like my name on the front. Um, yeah, it's re- it was a really nice present, actually. I can imagine that a lot of the headlines at Posh are quite negative, though. That would be my only... Uh, they, yeah, I was going to ask if they had like one about like, like how specific it got. Is it just Nationals or does it pull out from the PT as well? Does the Halo nightclub incident feature, for example? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, only, um, it's only the positive headlines. So um, most of the championship seasons are sort of skipped over. <laughs> I, I believe, Sam, in answer to your question about do they pull it from the PT, they would have done, but obviously they, they couldn't get through all the adverts and, and pop-ups that would have come up. So they would have, uh, I think they would have struggled to get the headlines from uh, from there as well. Uh, just any mistakes. Lots of, yeah, I don't know if you, yeah, I, I, we won't get into that because, you know, it's slanderous. Um, just to, I suppose, fill the listeners in uh, prior to me clicking record, I've become slightly concerned that my, neighbor's flat is on fire and as we've started recording that concern has only increased as the visibility of said flat is getting less and less currently i can see three windows all of which are lit up because there's lights on but they're incredibly i can only describe it as smoky and yeah i'm not gonna lie i've got a funny feeling the flat is actually on fire um uh, but we'll see we'll give it a few minutes and i'll decide if i need to go over there and you know be a well, I'd run away. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to throw myself into a burning building. But we'll uh, we'll see. Anyway, on the, on uh, one, Tim, Tim. On the one on. hand, I admire your commitment to this podcast. On the <laughs> other hand, I feel like it would be a bit of a PR nightmare if you didn't stop it to go and help out. So, well, no, because I'm, I'm the, the minute all I can see is that it's. I don't know if it's definitely on fire. So I don't just want to kind of like powder in and be like, oh, what's going on? And, you know, they're just it's just condensation. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. We'll we'll see. I, I could, I've got a good view. I'll I'll see what 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 happens. Um ultimately I'm in the building opposite, so I'm safe. That's the main thing. Um should we talk some football? It's, there's been a lot since we last recorded. Um <clears throat> we did have some comments, <laughs> ironically after what I was just saying, we did have some comments on the last episode. Seamus Walker on Patreon said, Another great episode. So pleased that the pod is back to being weekly. I've missed it. And now ironically. We've really dropped the ball over Christmas uh, and we've missed five or six games. So, sorry, Seamus, we are uh, hopefully back to uh, normal service now that the uh, the festivities are finished. Uh, and Emerald Posh said, slightly better than last week. I feel like we're improving uh, there. I feel like that's the gauge of how the pod is, is doing, uh, how Emerald takes it, I don't know. Um, lots to talk about. The transfer window has opened. Uh, so far... Uh, let's say a mixed bag we are recording this on the 7th so to be fair we are only a, a week in but let's start with the let's start with the I suppose with the big one should we Zach Sturt no uh, let's start with the big one uh Kyoso uh recalled by Robin we kind of expected this might happen but no less heartbreaking two things I suppose that we want to talk about here uh Lodz your view on this and also how easy it's been winding up Rotherham fans on social media about this yeah, they um they love to bite, don't they? The uh, Rotherham fans. Um, I've actually got a sneaky suspicion Kyoto is going to come back. Um, obviously you mentioned Sturge has gone back, and we've said straight away we're going to sign a replacement left back for him. Um, Kyoto has gone. We're obviously expecting Edwards to go, um, but there's no sort of sign of signing a replacement. We're just going to use Katongo. Um, there's there's that. 
there's um, no official announcements been made about who the new captain is. I know Burroughs was captain today, and that was sort of mentioned in the pre-match build-up to it. Um, I don't believe Kyoso's gone back to training at Rotherham yet. I don't think he's got a squad number. Um, it's not listed on the website. I know there's some work going on behind the scenes as well um, about trying to get a transfer deal done. Um, I've just got a sneaky suspicion that once once we've made a couple more sales, we might have the budget to get him back in. It might mean that Rotherham have him for a game, um, but I've got a feeling that'd be the only game he plays for them. Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it, John? Because it's one of those, we've done what we do every year as a fan base. We've fallen in love with a lone player. Um, and it is a tough one. I suppose, would if he does come back, if you know, if, if Lodz's is, his theory is true there, it, it's not going to be cheap. Now, we know he's had a great season, but do you feel that he would be a player that's worth spending a huge sum on? Or, or was it kind of just uh, we got carried away a little bit? I think it's a good question because I think if you go to the championship and look, I love Kyoto. I think he's a brilliant player for this current team. And I think his aggression and his, his drive to get forward is massive for the team. And we're obviously come on to the Leeds game in time. But I think today you saw what we missed when he's not in that team. And Poku was sort of nullified a lot more because Katongo wasn't overlapping with anywhere near as much quality or regularity as Kyoso does. However, I do think we've seen at times there are question marks slightly over his defensive ability and awareness. Um, he's obviously very aggressive, but I think just defensively in terms of when a winger runs at him, he can be troubled a little bit. And that's not me sort of changing the history of how he's played after he's left. I think that that is sort of a, a common feeling amongst posh fans as much as we love him and I love him. And I think he's a great player at League One level. I think there would be questions in the championship where he'd have to do more defending. So whether you want to commit to spending, I don't know how much they'd want to want for him really, but you're probably looking at what, three, 400K, I would say, after his start to the season. I don't know. I think I probably would go to that sort of figure. Um, but if it starts getting stupid amounts in terms of like over half a million pounds for a right back, I think there's better areas of the squad that we could spend the budget and the potential influx of money that we're going to get if Tony goes, if Ronnie Edwards goes. Um, so that would be my answer to that question. If it's at the right price, I think I'd do it, but I wouldn't overspend to get him back. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I mean, I, I feel like if if we did go in for him as a fan base, we've probably doubled his price tag uh, based on how we've reacted since he he went back. Sam, what's your thoughts on uh, on the Kyoso saga? I think obviously we'd like to see him stay. Um, it and and what we obviously can't see it's not been helpful, has it? This weekend, the fact he's been cup tied because I was it'd be really interesting to know if they would have put him straight in the squad because that would have given us more of an indication. So we're going to have to wait another week. You know, I think they they play Stoke, don't they? So um, we'll see if he's in in that squad on uh, at the weekend. Given you know what Lodge said about the fact that he still doesn't have a squad number, still not featured on their website. So. Um, yeah, I think we'll be monitoring the situation closely. I think I think John's made some valid points. Um, and um, but if we are thinking about, you know, what's the target for this season and it's to get promoted and the question marks in the championship, you have you have to do everything you can to bring him back. Absolutely. And if we're not working, you know, all hours of the week and trying to make the money work, and um for me. I think Kyoso would come. You saw that passion and it's so rare to see that in a lone player as well. Um, that, yeah, if we, if we can make it work, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we will. Um, so yeah, I think knowing how Darrow is sometimes, 
it wouldn't surprise me, as Loz was saying, if, you know, I know you said he might only get one game. It wouldn't surprise me if, obviously, you know, if we can get him back as quickly as possible because we want that continuity. I can't remember the last time Posh had a, a starting eleven that has been played so many games over such a long period of time. So you want him to come back as soon as possible. Of course you do. But we do know he, Dara, likes the drama and, you know, might leave it towards the end. Um, you know, he's done that in previous January transfer windows where it's been a late big signing and some of them work, some of them haven't. The one that immediately springs to mind is when we signed Omar Bogle, wasn't it? Really late in the window, one January. But at the time, you know, it was, you know, we were excited about that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we went down that route. But yeah, I, I'd like to I'd like to see him come back because it is just so rare that you see that passion and enthusiasm from a from a lone player. Um, and yeah, it means that obviously the posh calendar would then be right again come March, as we were discussing in the WhatsApp group the other day. Yeah, so commiserations to anyone that did buy or got bought the 2024 posh calendar for Christmas. Um, Peter Kyoto was, uh, I think it was March or April, he was he was one of the early months. Uh, so commiserations if you do have that calendar. It was out of date by January the 1st, uh, ironically. I mean, that's always the danger of buying a football calendar, I suppose, isn't it? I think Ronnie Edwards was February as well, so there's the potential for, for that to get out of uh, date quite quick. Um, in terms of other transfer news, we have brought a player in. Uh, Jed Steer's come in. Uh, hopefully, he couldn't wait for it. Steer us to promotion. You're welcome. Um, this is why I'm hosting the season, though. That kind of stuff. That's. I mean, Isn't that content yeah. written for you, though, Tim? No, no, no. That's that. I've. That's just you know. That's not on the script. In fact, Pure the talent. Script, the script that I've got today from producer Danny because he's he's uh, he's traveling for work is it current there's lots of um, deleters applicable such as poshar out of the cup slash set up a replay slash route around four so I'm having to work with you know real kind of uh, uh, real raw script work here and you know even still this is just flowing you know um, so anyway hopefully you can steer us to promotion but actually this seems to have been received really well by the fan base this is a goalkeeper with um, a lot of experience. He spent a decade at Aston Villa. A lot of the Villa fans jumped on social media to say that he could uh, easily still turn out for a, a championship side. But Dara, really interesting, I suppose, John, quite quickly came out and said that actually he's there purely as a backup. It turns out that Velo is injured for an indeterminate amount of time um, and that Jed is purely in as a backup to, to Tally. Um, we saw, obviously, in the, the Leeds game, which we, which we will come to, that, that Tally started. So, do you think he will be? Or do you... I mean, surely he's he's got to be a number one. I think he starts against Charlton next week. Um, I think my theory behind this is, Fergie, obviously, Tally had a really good game at Derby. Or, I say really good. He saved a penalty, and I think he looked pretty steady. Um, he wasn't overly tested in that game I wouldn't say I thought he was pretty well protected by his defense and his kicking was fairly fairly solid I thought against Derby and I think if we had dropped him after that it would have been really really harsh however I think after Leeds today his kicking was a little bit um, we couldn't quite build from the back like we normally do with a bit of Kapic um, and maybe the first goal it's a bit harsh to blame him but could he have done a little bit better? I haven't seen it back too many times, but it was from a close range, but it wasn't exactly in a corner and potentially maybe could have got there. That may be stupid because I haven't seen a replay, but that's how I felt at the time. Um, but ultimately, I didn't think his performance was that convincing today. And I think there's probably enough there now that if Fergie does drop him, he has an excuse to do it and it looks fair. And I think if you're bringing in Jed Steer or somebody of his capabilities, who's played at championship level, I think he's got games in the Premier League as well, um, a few. I think you'd be 
a little bit foolish not to use him over Tally, and that might sound a bit harsh on Tally, but ultimately he's played what two senior games that have really any meaning. Uh, obviously, he's played the early rounds of the FA Cup, and I think he's done okay, and probably been at a standard that is higher than most that Posh expected, considering I think he was brought in to almost be third choice behind Blackmore at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't see him. I think if you're looking for the good of the team, I would say Jed Steer looks a safer bet from now on than Finn Talley. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say exactly the same, which is Tally was was always the backup. So to bring in somebody with Steer's quality and then put Tally in front of him feels like it would be a bit backwards. But I thought it was quite interesting, Sam, the way that Darrow came out quickly and said, no, he's purely in as a, a number two. He's not had a, a club since the summer when he um, he was at Villa. So, I mean, there might be that rustiness, but I know that he's been he's been training with teams. He's been trying to keep himself fresh. If we just quickly talk Bilo as well, it was um, it was one of those ones he injured in the Barnsley game, wasn't it? Where he made a bit of a bit of a howler and then kind of went down injured, and it was one of those ones where you kind of think as a fan, oh, he's just doing that because he's embarrassed, he's he's messed up. Actually, it turned out he he, he was injured, um, and we know that he's out for a, for a while now. But for, for you to steer start over Tally, is he he's he's I mean, like John says, there surely the quality shines through and the experience. Yeah, yeah. I think all of the things John said is valid. Um, obviously, Tally, sa- you know, I know he was really unlucky, wasn't he? he? Was you know saving the penalty against Derby as well. That's always going to add to people's perceptions of his performance. But he, but he was solid against Derby, and because of the feel good of that win, um, there is the pressure to keep it the same. And <laughs> you know, I know, I know Darren Ferguson isn't going to be looking through Facebook comments on the Posh's Facebook profile before he makes a selection decision, <laughs> um, but. Regardless, he would probably be quite in tune with, you know, what the social media noise is and what the fan base are thinking. So, um, yeah, I think it was the right call to put Tally in um, for the FA Cup game. I think it would also equally be the right call to bring Jed Steer in for the Charlton game. Yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? He's seeing them day in, day out. I suppose he knows who's ready, who's who's fresh, and who's, who's good to go. Uh, I suppose other transfer news, lots away from Posh. Uh, Ivan Tony's name cropping up again. Uh, his suspension finishes this week. Uh, so he has, he has finished his suspension. He is back available for Brentford. He will be going into my FBL team. I should uh, mix up as well at this point. Um, he is being linked with lots of clubs. He's again being linked with Arsenal. Um, and there's this whole uh, hubbub around the sell-on fee. Um, Dara's come out this week and basically said the sell-on fee isn't as big as posh fans think. Uh, that's been up for debate on social media. There's been an article that surfaced that suggests that um, it is higher than Dara thinks. So I, I basically what I'm getting at here is do we think we've got a payday come in for Tony? And if so, do you think it will happen this window? Um, I'd love it to happen this window because I think his value um, in January to teams is probably going to be higher than what it will be in the summer. Um, he could have an absolute storming end to the season, um, which which might keep it high. But I think the team he's being linked with at the moment, Arsenal, um, if they've identified that Ivan Tony's the difference between them winning the league and not winning the league, um, surely you're talking £100 million for him. Whether or not that will be the case, I don't know. Um, I think, did he play for Brentford under-21s, was it yesterday, and scored a hat-trick? Sounds um, about right. Is... I, I, know, I know he's due back, because I know when I was looking at the fantasy football team, I'm thinking he's in next game week for me. I think he'll come back of a bang. Um, I mean, Dara's played it down, hasn't he? He's played down the fee that we're going to get um, from the sale. And he's he's sort of um, 
denied that he's um, he's going to go this window. He's, he seems to get the impression he's going in the summer. But like I said, if Arsenal have identified that, uh, they could easily just go and splash out the cash, couldn't they, and get him? And with Chelsea sniffing as well, they could have a bit, a bit off, get the get the fee right up, whether it's bid, in January or, or the summer. A bid off. Fun facts, lads. That's also the name of a Pokemon, a bid off. There you go. Or Bidoof, I think it's pronounced, but it's still, we'll take it. It's not part of the original 150, is it? It's not part of the 150, no. But this knowledge that you're extracting from me, it's not what you expect when you're, you're listening to it. Like, Sam's looking at his watch. He's like, fucking how long is this going to go on for already? I saw you, Sam. I've clocked you, mate. Don't worry. Why are we talking about Pokemon now? I, 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 honestly, Tim, I hang on your every word. I was looking not at the time, but I was looking at the date and working out when the 16th was when Tony's due back. And it looks yeah. like it's when Brentford and Wolves have their FA Cup replay. Yeah, oh, so it's not next game week. It's not uh, next weekend. It's the it'll be the game week after. One of these available. So uh, yeah, fancy football use. I mean, basically, what Sam was doing there was he was um, correcting your uh, poor knowledge of the situation and going for a host of the season. I think it seems that way. I mean, let's sabotage. It's a shoe in for Sam. I think this year he, you know, we uh, he acts all humble, but I think you know it's. I mean, pulling in a name like Sam Edwards is is a big signing for the other. Yeah, but you've got the commitment. To- him, haven't you to go with you know that that that, that talent and you know, Charred three times host of the season he'd he'd probably you know have me have me hung drawn and quartered if I didn't mention that so and he's like the Real Madrid of the host of the season isn't he for the Champions League yeah but you got to remember it was a time when it was just him and Kisby so it's that kind of uh, yeah it's that sort of shooting fish in a barrel job isn't it um, talking of sell on fees though John another uh, sell on fee discussion that's come on over this last couple of weeks is Ronnie Edwards which we assume is is going to be going imminently. There's been a few clubs linked with him. There's been a few different figures batted around. But one article that surfaced suggests that Barnet are in line for 50% of whatever we sell him for, uh, which has caught a lot of fans by surprise in terms of how high it is. Um, and whatever it, it does turn out to be, it's going to be a decent little payday for them. But does it factor in a little bit more? I mean, Ronnie Edwards is being called the new stadium at some point. Surely the, the management wouldn't have done that knowing that half of whatever we got was going to be going to Barnet. Well, I don't know. It seems pretty... The sources that are saying it's 50% seem pretty reliable and we did get him on a free. So, I mean, at that age, when we signed him, there's no telling that he was going to turn into a 10, 15 million pound player, really. Uh, I'm sure the club look back at it now and think, why didn't we just pay 500 grand and sign yeah. him with no <laughs> sell-on clause and we would be a lot better off for it. Mm. Um, but even 5 million plus the Tony money is a, is a good influx of money for Peterborough. The, the Tony money is going to come, isn't it? Whether it's January or next summer, it's coming. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that sort of, those sort of two fees um, can give us a real shot at sort of sustaining us at, at championship level. Um, I think we've sort of lacked that funding ever before, but you'd like to think we'll have a lot of money and a lot of value in this current squad. So money shouldn't really be an issue, which is strange to say, because I think the last one we came on, we were sort of talking about how bad the debt was at Peterborough um, and and what what the future looks like. And it was kind of a bleak outlook, but now things are seeming a little bit more positive. And I think that sort of feeds into it, both those transfer fees. Yeah, it's a fair point. And Sam, it's my job to to raise discussion and sometimes that involves being contentious. With the the sell-on fees, particularly the Tony one, obviously Dara's played it down and there's been certain elements or certain sections of the fan base, I suppose, that say, well, uh, that's because he wants to to keep said money that comes into the club. 
And I guess there's two lines of thoughts here, if that is the case, which obviously we don't know it is. Uh, one is it's his club. It's his. He's the one that has to pay everyone every every month. Uh, it's his risk. It's his money to take, if so be it, and if that's what he wants. But can he just be honest with us and say, look, I'm taking that money back? Um, and there's others suggesting that actually it will be offset against debts and that's why we won't necessarily see it as a fan base because it will be used towards paying off some of those debts. We don't know what the sell-on fee is for Ivan Tony. We don't. We haven't seen the contract. Same with Ronnie Edwards. As much as there's reliable sources suggesting it's it's fifty percent, we don't know that verbatim. What's your take on terms in terms of the money that's coming in? So, as John rightly mentioned, so there there will be money coming into the club this window. So we assume, and we've got JCH, which we'll talk about shortly as well. Um, do you expect much of that to be reinvested back into the squad? Um, and do you think there is as much potentially going to be there available to spend as what we seem to assume there is as a fan base? Oh, wow. What a, what a question to throw to me, Tim. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Cheers. I know you didn't get me a Christmas present, but this is clearly it, this question. Um, it's always a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think as a fan, you sometimes feel transfers are shrouded in uncertainty um, and and missed with so many being undisclosed. Now, I know there'll be defensive reasons as to why that is, um, but sometimes you do want that transparency to, to know. You know, obviously, you're not going to know down to the exact penny, um, but when you're such sort of a public-facing organisation as a, as a football club is... Um, I think we need to obviously review and see what the what the kind of figures are that eventually come in because there's a lot of uncertainty. People are saying that you know Newcastle get an, you know a sell on for Tony as well. Um, I know sort of football manager players out there. Our very own Nathan Brown was saying, "Oh, you can have a, a, a sell on, you know, two transfers down the line." I always assumed that it was like a one time use with a sell on, um, and then you, you don't get to use it again. But you know, I think sort of anything's possible, isn't it? And yeah, just sorry, so I'm just interjecting there really quickly. I know what Nathan's getting at there. So it's to do with the age. If you take a player, I think it's below 21 or 22, then the clubs involved in the development of that player get a sell on of all future transfers. It doesn't matter whether it's that one. If there's Sell-on clause is part of the transfer deal. Then that's a one-time only. Yeah, uh, the one-time only deal. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. And and that that feels particularly tough to take, doesn't it? When Newcastle have the money they have, and we don't have the money we don't have. Um, so you know that that every penny would go further for us. So the Barnet fifty percent. I was surprised when I heard that. I thought that was really high. I mean, it might be why we got Ronnie Edwards in over and above others, because we've got that track record and that history of saying to Barnett, well, look, we might not be offering what other people are offering now, but two, three, four years time, you're going to make huge money and you don't even have to do anything to do so. We'll develop that player and, and sell him on and and you'll make money. So I was surprised at, at how high that was. And that will obviously be a big, big chunk that taken out of us. We obviously have a, a lot of debt that we need to pay off um, and there are payment plans in place, but whether we move that forward further with some of the money, I think some would have to be reinvested. Otherwise the fans wouldn't necessarily be happy. Um, I, I think there needs to be a marquee signing, not just a loan signing. There needs to be money spent. Otherwise I don't think the fan base will be particularly happy. Expertly dodged. Tell the media trained uh, person on the panel this evening. Kind of that was uh... no. It's it's a fair point. I, I guess. I suppose what I just want to make sure is that we're not we're not kind of just assuming that we're about to um, you know get a mother load cheat in the club and that suddenly we're going to have you know 
loads and loads of money to spend because I don't I don't believe that is going to be the case. Yes, we've got a windfall coming potentially, but we also need to accept that Dara's currently battling those debts um, and he's got yeah issues as well. I don't think we're going to go out and sign loads of players for loads of money. Equally, I don't think we can sign no one for no money. You know, we have to we have to make a, a big signing, whether that's Kyoso, whether that's Kyoso and another. Um, you know, clearly we we're in for a cash windfall this January transfer window from Tony and from Edwards. It will just obviously be a question of how much of that goes towards solving the off-field issues and how much of that goes and gets reinvested into the current squad. Yeah, it's almost almost me sympathising with Dara there. I don't know. It's New Year, new me. I don't know what's what's going on. I'm normally the 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 anti Dara team. That's um, but I think he's managed to this transfer window really well so far. But I don't know what's coming over me. I'm yeah, New Year, new me. Uh, Lads, JCH is another player that uh, is looking like he's out the door. He's not featured at all in January. Looks like he's off to Charlton. He's been rumoured with numerous clubs in both Leagues One and League Two. Um, some of the League Two teams surprised me and perhaps were a sign of maybe how we've perhaps built this player up to be something that he maybe isn't. And I don't mean this in any disrespect to the League Two teams that were were, were pictured or were, were linked with him, but he's better than a lot, or at least we believe he's better than a lot of the teams he's been linked with. As it is, it looks like he's going to Charlton in League One. Um, the figure that's being banded around that seems to be gaining traction is 450k. Now, for a player that's out of contract in six months... I think that's not too bad. Frustrating when we would have got double that in Jan- in uh, the summer if the, the Bristol Rovers fiasco hadn't happened. But what's your take on JCH in terms of where he's going, whether that's an acceptable fee? And also, I would like to add, if he does go to Charlton, can he sign a week today so that we don't have to face him next week? Um, I think it, he he is a quality player. Um, but the problem with Jono is he's a quality target man. There aren't a lot of teams that play over target man these days. Um, so I don't think it's uh, any slight on him that he might have to drop down to League Two to get um, get the games that he wants. Um, I, I, I actually heard he were getting, I think it was 700k. I don't know um, if anyone's heard anything different for 450. Um, but I think the, the big positive um, that we'll get of Jono leaving is um, getting him off the wage, but I think he's our highest paid player. Um, obviously, we've got our eye on Kyoto signing, um, but also the players that are out of contract. Um, going back to what you were saying about the money that we receive for Tony and Edwards, it would be nice if we can offer some more lucrative contracts to championship standard players, uh, maybe keep them around. Poku, for example, um, he'll have a year left in the summer. If we go up, we're stuck in a, in a position where we either offer him a good deal that represents the player that he is um, and the league that he'll be playing in or we have to sell him and if we're selling him going into a season in a championship it's obviously not a, a good look is it especially with all the money that we've got coming in yeah, um, I, I think when we went up to the championship last time it happened with Dembele didn't it we, we tried to keep him for his final year he didn't seem very interested we weren't paying him what he wanted to and in the end we had to flog him in January and the same thing could happen to Boko. I'm not saying that he would refuse to play or pretend to be injured or whatever it is Dembele was accused of doing. Um, but it's the sort of thing that we need to get away from, I think. Um, and Jono getting off the wage bill is a good start to um, sorting out the wage budget that we have and the players that we have, I think. Yeah, has anyone heard any other rumours or any other um, ins and outs potentially? I've not been really on social media very much this week. Has anyone heard any potential ins that anyone's... Anyone's seen online? 
Um, I think Shamanga was uh, linked to a few League Two teams, wasn't he? Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's an extra bit of money coming in. He's obviously um, not part of our future plans. And we've got Wakeling that can't seem to get in. Um, so it almost makes sense to loan Wakeling out, sell Shamanga. Uh, and we'll still have Ricky and Mothersill um, kicking about, won't we, for the rest of this season. Yeah, that's fair enough. I saw a, a really high figure banded about for Tishy as well. It was, I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, but I remember thinking, if we can get that for him, I'll, I'll be quite happy. Uh, we have had a sign-in of sorts as well this week. Pemi Ajaroju, apologies if I pronounced that wrong, uh, signed for the under-21s on an 18-month contract from Biggleswade, potentially the next one on the conveyor belt. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see with that one. Looks pretty decent, though. Seems to have come with quite a good reputation with scoring goals for fun. Uh, at Biggles Wade. So that's where we're at with the transfer window. That Obviously, this is quite dynamic and changes quickly. So by the time you're listening to this, we may have lost three players and signed eight. Who knows? We'll uh, we'll have to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I fear, well, not fear, but I feel as though, like Sam said, it will probably be uh, the last week or so before things really start to kick in for us. Let's talk some football, though. Uh, we're recording on the day that we have been uh, knocked out of the cup uh, 3-0 at home to Leeds. I didn't... I, the thing is, John, I didn't feel... We lost 3-0. We've been given, I suppose, what you say on paper is a pacing, but I don't feel like it was necessarily a 3-0 game. First goal was just an absolute cock-up in the defence or lack of defence. Second one was a weldy. You're never going to stop that. It was the difference between the two sides was that quality. And then the third one is is where we're pushing higher up. I felt like we had... Uh, we had spells of the game where we were in charge, but we never really kind of made it count. We didn't really have many shots on target and so on and so forth. But to me, I don't know, do you think it's fair to say it didn't feel like a 3-0 game? No, I, de- I definitely don't think it was a 3-0 game. Um, between both boxes, I thought, relatively, actually, we performed quite well. Um, we didn't really threaten their goal too much. It was a series of sort of half chances. But I thought we competed quite well. And there were some players out there who certainly did their reputations no harm. You look at Ronnie Edwards, Mason Clark, Kekta Kipriano. All three of them, I thought, competed absolutely fine at that level. And that's a top, top championship team. Um, on days like today, you need a bit of luck to go your way, don't you? And we didn't have any today. The first goal, the ref's blown just as he's kicking the ball. Everyone stopped. You can obviously say that's the basics of football. You play to the whistle um, and they should have switched on. But I do have a bit of sympathy for them because I was in the stand and I was like, oh, what's gone wrong with that free kick then? And then all of a sudden the ball's in the back of the net. And yeah, it should have been defended better, but it was a very strange referee. And that doesn't help you. You go one nil down. And then Bamford produces one of the best goals I've ever seen at London Road. I mean, he's going to take that shot maybe 100 times. 99 of them end up in the stand. The one today goes in the back of the net. And when when you're playing for an upset, you probably need one of them yourself and not one of them to go to what are the superior team. So um, I thought... In general, we did fine. We 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 did about as well as we could have asked. The only worry for me is it felt a lot like a lot of games I've seen that Posh have played in the championship where we don't necessarily technically look particularly too far off the pace, yet we end up losing 3-0. And you look back on it and you kind of think, well, did we actually threaten them that much? And the answer is probably no. Um, so that is a concern. And it probably shows that if we do go up, 
it, it might be a good thing because if we do go up, it shows there are levels that we need to get to. Now, Leeds themselves are a really, really good championship team. And if we had produced the display we did against, I don't know, Huddersfield in the championship, we might well have been on a more favourable result. But Leeds are a Premier League team in waiting. And I thought they were really good today. They, they, they re You can tell the difference in their squad compared to a lot of what we've been seeing this season in League One. And it is vast. Um, so I was very impressed with them and, and I thought Posh did just about as much as I could ask. I don't have too many complaints, to be honest. Yeah, it's a perfect summary, I think, John. And Sam, he's made a great point there, which, which was one of the notes I made as well, which is actually it was a really good benchmark and shows that as much as we've found this winning formula at League One, perhaps we're not quite there with that step up. And it's a, a it was almost word for word how, how it was in my head as well there in terms of it was like watching us in the championship. We were competing in certain parts of the field, but we just lacked that final quality. Bamford's finish, as much as that is a, a one in a hundred shot, that was the difference between the two sides. Um, somebody doing yeah. the washing up. Sorry, I don't know what that was. <laughs> made me jump. Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was the difference between the two sides was that quality. And if we do go up, we're going to need that quality from somewhere, which is clearly the, the one piece of the jigsaw that we're missing just now. Yeah, it, it, it did feel like how we've been in the championship and actually relatively stable um, between the boxes, but can um, give away sloppy goals. Um, I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say based on today. And there is a higher chance of the opposition scoring stunning goals or, you know, obviously today was exceptional with the Bamford goal, but I guess it's the, 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 the about being more clinical. You know, I still think back to some of those games in the championship that we dominated and went in nil-nil at halftime, whatever. You know, the Middlesbrough away game will always haunt me where massively done by Dembele winning the penalty and, you know, didn't get it. And then they, you know, they just finished their chances late on. So that is the difference between League One and the championship. You get punished if you don't take your chances and there's a there's a higher risk of of sort of making mistakes because the pressure's that bit more so yeah it shows it shows the gap um and when we know there is a big gap between league one and the championship so a uh, useful game to have for, for for fergie certainly yeah and it was a it was a predictable lineup lads the only i guess question marks we had was i guess between the six we've already talked about tally but also with kioso going who was going to play that position katongo got the nod um We've talked. I mean, John's again summed it up perfectly in terms of that sort of lack of the overlap that we saw. Do, does it? Do you feel that that is a position that needs addressing? I know you've obviously got the Kyoto theory that is coming back, but but if he doesn't, um, do you think that Katongo is the kind of player that could could fill that role? It perhaps a bit harsh to judge him on one performance against a, a really good Championship side, but uh, do you feel he he could fill that right back position? Um, I think he could. He's a very capable player. Um, but John's right. The chemistry between him and Poku looked well off today. Um, Poku was getting the ball numerous times, expecting the overlap to create a little bit of space for him. And it just it just simply wasn't happening. Mm. And then he was turning back, looking for a pass. Again, wasn't, wasn't on, wasn't available for him. Um, I think Leeds knew that our wingers were our biggest threat and, and it looked like they doubled up on them. Um, and having that overlapping player just just helps out so much um whether or not he can be that overlapping fullback i'm not sure um he, he does seem he did get up there a few times today and put put some decent balls in um consistently over a 90 minute period i'm not sure uh and then like i said yeah the chemistry he needs to he needs to build on that with uh Poku. 
Yeah, definitely. Was there any players that stood out for you? Again, John's mentioned a few. I think Hector was brilliant. Mason Clark. I saw a lot of the Leeds fans on social media saying, we want him. Can we have him? <laughs> uh, no. Um, anyone else that really stood out for you today? No, the three that John mentioned were the three that I've got down as well. Mason Clark, uh, Kipriano, and then yeah, Ronnie Edwards, who um, I did criticise a lot uh, in the Championship in the beginning of that season. Um, I thought he had a lot of work to do on his defending, but this season he's been he's been absolutely incredible. And today was a really good test for this whole squad. But to see Ronnie, um, apart from the wonder goal that Bamford got, I thought he did very very little against us, and I think that was down to um, the defensive work that that Ronnie's put on him. Um, I think his anticipation is just is spot on. It's like he knows he knows his own body, he knows his own pace, he knows his own strength. Um, sometimes he'll give the striker a, an extra yard, knowing that he'll catch him up. Um, and, and sometimes he doesn't go into aerial battles because he knows that he's not going to win, but it will give him a couple of seconds to to decide what he will do to try and get that edge on his opponent. He's in. I mean, I know you know we're we're all Ronnie fans. He's this his decision making for his age is just incredible. I don't think I've, I've ever seen a defender. He's that kind of player that we always talk about how we need in the championship, you know, a, a 32 year old journeyman defender. Well, it feels like Ronnie Edwards is that player now. He, he just seems to have that calm level headedness about him that we're, we're looking for. And just talking about defense, Sam, uh, let's talk about his partner just for a second, Josh Knight. Um, I thought he was quite poor today. Realistically, should have conceded a penalty. It was a penalty. There's no, there's, there's no denying that. Um, but I also thought he was quite poor in open play. I, I don't think it was Josh Knight's best day. Um, there are still kind of, does he get a new contract? And maybe, we talked about this money coming in, is he one of those players that you think you go for? For me, yes, he's a championship player as much as he was poor today. Uh, what about you? Again, I think going back to the conversation we just had about Posh's performance as a whole, it was probably summed up in Josh Knight or, or, you know, in relation to the season, Knight has been imperious in League One alongside Edwards and looks so comfortable and and has in previous spells for Posh as well. Um, You know, think about that spell. I think in the in the season that stopped by by COVID and the start and when he was playing in more of a midfield role, he was incredible at, at League One, but in the championship has been found out. I mean, I know he was... Wickham's player of the season, wasn't he, when when Wickham were in the championship and was was really good for them that season. But for Posh in the championship, he's kind of not quite been there more often than he than he has and um has the he has it in his locker to sort of boil over as well. I know we didn't necessarily see that today, but um he is just very calm and composed at League One and is a standout player. But when you make that step up, some of those um liabilities, I guess, do come into it and that's that's what we saw today. So I guess Knight summed up, you know, was 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 reflective of, of Posh's entire day today in in comparison to how the season's been so far. Yeah, day and night, you could say. So, you know, no, that would be don't say that. That'd be awful. Uh, cool. Let's just have a look. What's next on the script? Who are you hoping for in the next round? Oh no, don't want to do that one. Quick break, and we'll look back over the Christmas period. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So since we last recorded, uh, we've played a lot. Apologies. Uh, I've been working a lot. And clearly, you know, as Sam said, I'm the only committed uh, member of the team. Just leave that in the air there. No, it's, uh, it's been a challenge trying to get recorded over Christmas. Uh, here's the games that we've uh, played since we last recorded. Shrewsbury 1, Posh 2, Posh 2, Reading 2, Posh 2, Barnsley 2, Wayne Rooney's Derby 2, Posh 3, which is a game that will live long in the memory of many Posh fans. Um, Sam, I'm just going to quickly throw this to you because I mentioned something to you during this game, which was it was almost like a circle of life type moment um, where the we Derby saw one, sorry. the Derby game. Yeah, so this was um, the epitome of the season so far. It highlighted how Fergie's turned this team into a really, really good side. We're playing some fantastic football. We were the better side. We dominated for large parts of the game and we looked great it was a really interesting it was a really exciting fun game to watch and then conversely of course last time we were away at derby that was the end of fergie's reign we looked awful um we were poor uh and everything about that day was negative it, there's there's something satisfying about that full circle that we've we've gone through with this one and and i don't think you know i did the post match interview with 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 darren after that derby game and i think that's the most down I've ever seen him. Mm. I still didn't think what was going to happen was necessarily going to happen, um, even though I wasn't surprised when it did. And I think that's how a lot of people felt. But that was the most down. The only time he's comparatively been almost close to being that down was when Posh, sorry to mention it, got relegated from the championship with the Palace Incident. No, not when you play. Not when I played Portsmouth and he had a little set two with the BBC Cambridgeshire <laughs> reporter. That wasn't went down that day. Well, that that was fine. I mean, my opening question then was what went in, what happened in the dressing room. And do you know what? I've recently watched the David Beckham documentary on Netflix, and Sir Alex Ferguson is obviously interviewed as part of that. And one of the things he says about the David Beckham bootgate incident is what happens in the dressing room is sacrosanct. And I thought, well, he's obviously passed that down yeah, to his son. Yeah, as yeah, he just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And he was, you know, he was fine because he he apologised. So that's that's fine. I don't really don't really mind that. It was it was yeah. I, I did the first interview with him um, in the summer. He did, he did had a sort of a long period where he sort of wasn't seen, didn't do media interviews after the Palace game, and and he was so down then, even with a long time to reflect. And after the Derby game, that was you know the one nil that we lost late on, and um, he then went that night or whenever it was, yeah, late that late the Sunday night after the Saturday. That's the most down I've seen him and. You know, yeah, compare that with 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 this game on New Year's Day. And I really bloody enjoyed that game. It was brilliant. And it I texted my mate after like 45 minutes. I said, this feels like I've just watched two matches. Yeah. You know, it was so enjoyable that the game seemed to go on forever in a good way. Um, in contrast to the Sheffield Wednesday playoff defeat. It was it was it was a brilliant game. We looked so good. We passed the ball so well to have what was it, 66% possession away at Derby, to score three goals, to come back twice, to concede after 20 seconds. And the, you know. Posh teams in the in the recent past have had a lot of possession and not really been effective with it. You know, it's been quite sideways along the back and we have combined that skill of having possession with being effective with it. And we look so good and it's seriously impressive, um, you know, what Darren's done. And I think it ignited a conversation, didn't it, in our yellow block WhatsApp group about is this Fergie's best spell in League One 
as posh manager. And I think we were sort of unanimous in saying we feel it is. And that performance sort of summed up why, because it was just such an imperious display from a, you know, relatively young, very young group of players, considering all the pre-season pessimism around where Posh had finished as well. So, you know, it's, it was it was a great performance. Loz, it certainly feels like it for me in terms of the best Fergie performance, the best squad, the best team. Consistently, we are looking like the best team in the league and that we could beat anyone. And at times we're playing football akin to sort of mid to higher end championship. Um, that's how good we've been playing. It's been a real privilege to watch this this team recently. And I think for the first time in my posh support in life, I've never felt uncomfortable. For example, it feels like the defence is switched on. Um, you never really feel like we're going to throw games away. And as a posh fan, that's kind of always been the norm. I suppose... My question to you then, Lodz, would be, Does it? do you think that actually, as much as it was heartbreaking what happened with Wednesday, that actually it was a blessing to this club because we weren't ready to go up? And as a result of coming back down, what we've now got is a squad of people who are in the right mentality, they're determined to win, and they've got the quality to put on a real show at this level. Yeah, definitely. Um, we wouldn't have known it at the time. And it was a hell of a call from Dara and Fergie in the summer to go down this route of young and inexperienced. They had a lot of criticism, myself was included. I always believe you should have at least uh, two or three older heads in there just to control the dressing room, but they've proved everyone wrong. Um, What you were just saying there about how good football we're playing, there was a lot of fans out there that have been supporting us 30, 40 years that are saying it's the best they've ever seen. Mm. Um, I grew up watching um, the Holy Trinity years. I know John's a similar age to me and he'd be in the same position as me. It's definitely the first time that I've really, really enjoyed it as much as that uh, currently. And I remember back then, you're right, our defence wasn't good. We were leaking goals all over the place, but it was always all right. We always felt like we were going to score lots of goals. And for some strange reason at Pride Park, even going into the last 10 minutes, being 2-1 down, there was just that feeling that I had that we were going to win the game. And I know a lot of people felt the same way. It was just the way we were playing, the confidence the players had. And when, the, when um, it was Pocky that scored the equaliser, wasn't it? When we scored that goal, the players, they didn't celebrate. They went and got that ball and they they took it straight to the centre spot. They wanted to get that winner. And it's been a long, long time, over a decade since we've had a squad that, that can do that. And these guys are only 21, 22 years old. It's incredible stuff, really. Yeah, I'm also only 21, 22. So I've got that kind of, that future ahead of me too. It's a, it's a good point though, John. There's a character in this side. And as much as you look at those festive, fixtures and you see well only two points against Reading and Barnsley they actually show character in those games too coming back from from losing positions and as much as you say you would want more on paper they're, they're still pretty good points really aren't they let's be honest um do you do you look back over those four fixtures over the festive period happy uh and encouraged in terms of where this squad's going yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the other lads have summed it up pretty well, but I don't think you can sort of overestimate how good a performance that was at Pride Park. For us to go there and do what we did to Derby with the players they have, you look at players like Conor Hurahan, that's, you know, Premier League experience and the amount of money they spend on wages compared to us. Um, to go there and do what we did, I thought was brilliant. And actually, I think Fergie deserves a huge amount of credit because we just look so much better coached than them in terms of everything we did. And this system is really difficult. I didn't think 
look, let's face it, I've always thought Fergie's a great manager, but I didn't think he had this level of like modern football in him, really. It, it is different to what we've played before. We've always played attacking football, but this is another level, the way the fullbacks invert. And he's clearly learned from the very, very top of the game in how we build up possession through the thirds. And we're actually a really, really interesting team to watch tactically. Um, and I just think we're brilliantly coached. I, I personally think we are the best team in League One and we're going to win the league, as provided we don't, you know, lose Ronnie, lose Johnson Clark Harris, lose Kyoso, and don't replace them all. Um, I think we will win this league, um, which is a bold claim. And yeah, you look over the Christmas period, obviously the Barnsley and the Reading games were the two, I would say, frustrating ones. I think Shrewsbury, really, we could have won that by a bigger margin. Um, but the, the Barnsley game itself, uh, just touching on Clark Harris, I thought was actually a good example of why the time's probably come to get rid of Clark Harris, because we had to change up a little bit there. And I know Ricky gets a bit of stick, and I do think that at times he's a little, like today, he was pretty anonymous, wasn't he? Um, and there are times where he seems to be on the outskirts of games and he does need to get more involved. But that sheer pace of having him up there has made a huge difference to our season compared to Clark Harris. And while Clark Harris against Barnsley scored both the goals, I think if you look at the performance that we put in that day, it was probably our worst team performance for, for quite a while. And that's because we couldn't do what we have been doing. Barnsley could get a really high press on us because they didn't have that fear of the pace of Ricky getting in behind. Yeah. And we weren't quite able to build up or transition in the way that we have been doing. Um, and I think Fergie ultimately got it right, changing his squad because we looked way fresher than Derby at Pride Park. Um, so you think you can take that game in isolation. And we, we've shown really good heart and spirit to fight back because Barnsley are a really good team. And let's face it, last season, if Posh went 2-0 down, the game was done. This season, we're going 2-0 down. We're coming back to get a point. We're going 1-0 down at Shrewsbury to a fluke. We're coming back to win the game. Reading, even that, I mean, we might well have lost that last season because just out of the sheer fact that we've gone ahead twice and they've pegged us back twice, they're mentally so much more resilient as well as technically being better. And I think to come through that, which was a busy period, I think it was, what, four games in 10 days, yeah. uh, and to come through it unbeaten and, you know, gaining on the league leaders, I think can only be reflected on as really, really positive, especially as it's a time where Posh haven't always performed particularly well over the Christmas period. So, yeah, very pleased with how we're going along at the minute. Yeah, here, here. I'd, I'd echo all of that. And, and actually, what, what we're finding almost consistently after every game each week now is the fans of whoever it is we've played are coming on social media saying, best team we've played this season. That's not a one-off thing. We've seen that consistently uh, throughout the last couple of months. And that's that's huge because often they're saying on their own you know, social media channels, it's not they're not coming on to the posh ones to, to say it. And I feel like that's a really good insight to to how other clubs are viewing us at the moment. And there's still for me that concern around squad depth, but if we can if we can address those issues, you're absolutely right. I think we've we've Pompey starting to to falter a little bit now. Um, yeah, absolutely, the top two, and it would be it would almost be a shame if we didn't go up now because we've gone up before having played worse than this. So if we don't get that reward of promotion, considering the spirit and, and the performances that we've put on this season, I feel like that would be slightly unjust. But then often football is unjust, isn't it? We we know that from. Well, I would say the Wednesday game, but ironically, I think that turned out to be... Um... Can I just come in here, Tim? Because no. 
host of the season. That's not the kind of behavior. <laughs> See, I'm using it again. No, because you I've seen what you've just put on the group on the chat. You've put. I'm not going to mention you being the Luke Littler of this pod <laughs> by being way younger than you look. That's not what I'm going to mention here. It was to just come off the back of your previous point around other fans, because one of your favorite hobbies during match games is to put, put you know, or afterwards is to go on Twitter, screenshot it, and say how much you're enjoying watching other fans' reactions to our performance. And um, there's someone in my team at work who's a Stevenage fan, you know, goes to a lot of games. Um, and I was speaking to him about the Stevenage posh game. And, you know, he was like, how you didn't win that game? If it had gone another five, 10 minutes, you would have won it. And I said, oh, I'd be interested to know who you were sort of most impressed by. And uh, he was impre- Knight, Knight and Edwards, he thought were incredible. The way they brought the ball out reminded him of the Sheffield United team under Wilder, where they could just bring the ball out from the back. Um, but the other, the other one he mentioned... Um, so he mentioned Hector Kiprianu as well, because he used to know him when he was much slimmer and couldn't believe how much he beefed up and could boss the midfield. And the other one was, he said, oh, you're number 14, Joel Randall. And I was sort of giving him the backstory on it. And he was like, well, you know, you just wouldn't be able to tell that he'd had that previous couple of seasons at yours because he just looked unplayable. And he was like talking about his movement off the ball as well, which obviously sometimes you don't always pick up. So, mm. yeah, it is... It is really nice and pleasing to hear fans say this, but of course it will mean nothing if we do not go up at the end of the season. No, absolutely. I think the reason that I've started to to do this in terms of looking at other clubs' social media feeds uh, is mainly because I have a life, but also because it's quite a good... It's quite a, I think like it's a really good barometer of where you're at as a club, seeing what other fans are saying, not when they're trying to have banter with you or you know, not when they're getting involved in Twitter spats with you or anything like that, just when they're talking amongst themselves. I thought that was a really good indicator of of where you are as a club. And I, and I feel it can only feed into the, the positive positivity we've got at the moment. Uh, quick, is my neighbour's flat on fire update? Uh, all the windows seem to be quite clear now. So I'll only I can only assume it was condensation. There must have been something quite hot and steamy going on. I can I can only assume, uh, and that's why. Um, so I'm I'm equally you know quite glad I didn't burst through their front door now because that could have been quite awkward uh, and also a breach of my restraining order. In terms of the league table uh, at the moment, Pompey do sit top. They have played more than everybody else because they played this weekend because they were knocked out of the FA Cup uh, in earlier rounds. So they've played 26, 53 points, one win in the last five. They are struggling for form. Uh, Bolton in second, they've played 24, so they can leapfrog Pompey if they win one of their two games in hand. Uh, They've won four of their last five. They are in good form. Then we find Posh and Derby, uh, both in uh, play 25 with 49 points. Uh, we uh, ironically also have the same goal difference as Derby. The only reason we sit third and their fourth is because we've scored more than them. Uh, makes that win at Pride Park all the more important, I feel. That could be the one that we look back on at the, at the end of the season and say that was the that was the moment it all changed. And then Oxford and Barnsley make up the um, the playoffs. And ironically, Steve Evans-Stevenage have dropped out of the playoffs like I've been saying they would do for the entire season. So I'm glad that that's come to fruition as well. I guess, I mean, Lods, for looking at that, you'd have to say it's still a four-way race, really. You can't discount Pompey because they're top of the table, but they they do look like they're struggling. Um, you'd like to think Oxford probably won't find that form. It's still that kind of new manager sort of situation there, isn't it? They got absolutely pummeled by Coventry in the Cup this weekend as well. Um do you agree it's a four-horse race? Do you see anyone else coming into that? And I suppose out of those four, at the moment, who do you think is most likely to go up in the top two? Um, I, I agree it's probably between one of them four. 
Um, and if you're talking at this current moment of time, it's got to be us and Bolton for the top two. Um, automatics is in our hands. Um, you're quite right. The Derby result is absolutely massive for our um, journey to automatics. Uh, but we have a game against Bolton at home um, and we have a game against Portsmouth at home yet to play uh, and them two will be equally as big. If we win both of them, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be top two. It just means we've dropped points in games we shouldn't have dropped points. But the other teams can strengthen in, in January, so you never know what could happen. Well, I'm glad you mentioned about dropping points, actually, Lods, because we've out of those four, we've won the fewest games, but we've also... Um drawn a huge number um Pompey have drawn more than I say went for a stage where they were, were drawing every other game but um we've won the fewest games and obviously we look back over you know John and I just talked there about the the draws over the Christmas period do you think that if we are going to look at automatics or, or even going up as champions that we need to start trying to turn some of these draws into wins or am I being a bit too um I'm looking for too much there from this side no, you're right. I think after the Reading game, it felt like uh, two points dropped, definitely. Um, Barnsley, we rested a lot of players uh, and John touched on the point there, playing John up front. It completely changed the game of what we normally play. Um, and then obviously the three points at Derby. There will be times where we look back at draws and think we've probably lost the points there. But I think the, the start of the season, uh, if we get to the end and we do miss out by a few points, the start of the season is probably where we're going to kick ourselves Northampton away. Um, I can't yeah. remember off the top of my head, but we lost one of the games at home, didn't we, early on as well, I think. There was there was a lot, wasn't there, in those first couple of months where we were playing really, really well and we'd score and then we would just capitulate and that was kind of posh of old. It feels like that's changed recently, but that, I feel like that's where those draws have come from. I think it was, there was obviously it's a young, young and inexperienced team and that was them just learning how to play with each other, wasn't it? Um, they obviously bought into how Fergie wanted to play. It was just a case of being able to play it uh, and consistently as well, yeah. which they've done since then. Um, but obviously at the beginning, it was the start of a new project. So you, you, you can forgive them for, for dropping points um, for that reason. But uh, it, that's where we have dropped the majority of our points so far, I think. Yeah, Is that something you would echo, John? I think crucially on that point, is we've had the hardest games in terms of what we've played so far. So if you look at the league table, we've played eight of the top nine away from home. So, or seven of the top nine away from home, sorry, and ourselves. So we've got all these teams to come, but to play them at home. And typically we're very, very good at home. Um, so I think we're in probably the best situation out of everyone. I would be very surprised if anybody else, I haven't done any fact checking behind this, but um, I would be very surprised if anyone else near the top of the League One table, you know, has played everybody else away. Yeah, that's a, I didn't even, that's a valid point. I didn't even think about that. Sam, so our league fixtures through January, um, we'll, we'll talk about the, the most imminent one shortly. Uh, Charlton away, Shrewsbury at home. It feels like we play Shrewsbury every week at the minute. Uh, and then Lincoln away, which is a, uh, always a tasty affair. Um, it's, do you, I mean, do you agree it's in our hands at the moment, uh, sort of looking ahead, you know, with those three fixtures, once we've got this week out of the way with the, the Crawley game, which we'll talk about in a second, we're only playing once a week, so it shouldn't need to be too much around squad rotation and stuff like that. Do you, do you think it is in our hand? And I suppose second to that, if you're any other team in, in the top eight, are Posh the team that you don't want to play at the moment? To answer the second question first, yes. 
to go back to the first one, is it in our hands? Well, clearly, if we could keep Edwards and we could keep Kyoso, then yes, it is in our hands, but we can't, so it isn't. Or I suppose we could. We could, you know, we could reject offers for Edwards. Um, and we could obviously do absolutely everything we can to, to get Kyoso, and then you keep that continuity. Um, and then it's as much in your hands as it ever would be, considering, you know, you can't counter for injuries and and all of that, and you've got everyone to to play again. So, so yes, it, it would be in our hands. Um, so that's why January, and we've talked about it for a couple of months now, January is massive and what Posh do here in this transfer window and and, and what we look like come, come February as a squad. Um, but yeah, at this moment in time, absolutely, people wouldn't and don't want to play us. Um, and, and we are the team to fear. Um, that Derby game would have done, A, not just a lot of good for our own campaign, but it would have really sent a message out to other people in League One, yeah. combined, of course, with Portsmouth's slip um, over recent weeks. It wasn't kind of just about the three points at, at Pride Park. It was about so much more than that and the manner of the victory as well. Um so, yeah, so yeah it, it wasn't a fluky win was it, it you know it, it was no. a deserved win normally no it was it was it was superb so um so yeah i think i think we're we're the team where you look at the table at the moment and you think okay they're they're the ones you know the runs we've been on and, and when we've lost or we haven't sort of won you know we we're bouncing back well not just within games you know we, we're not going on bad runs um we're going on very very good runs so that around this time of the season is always the time that you see that team kind of take off and kick on. And um, yeah, hopefully it's hopefully it's going to be us, but massive, massive few weeks ahead. Yeah, and there's a lot of football to play between now and the, the end of the season, of course, but I can't help be drawn to our last game of the season, which is at home to Bolton Wanderers. Um, as much as I'm perhaps tempting fate, that could be a, uh, yeah, that could be quite a tasty final game. But hopefully by then we'll be, will be far out in front and the league would have been wrapped up the month before. I don't know. A uh, couple of games this week. Um, we'll focus on the league game more than anything, but we do just need to talk about the fact we played Crawley at home in the... Uh, wait, hold on, I've got it. The the Bristol Street Motors Trophy. Yes, the Bristol Street Mo- Motors Trophy on Wednesday. Uh, two questions, Lods. Uh, are you going and do you care? No, and uh, no. Okay, good. Uh, Sam, are we at that stage of the competition yet where we do need to care? Because let's be honest, if we got to Wembley, we'd all go. Where, when do we start paying an interest in this tournament? The game before Wembley. Got you. So not yet. Good. Uh, any interest in this one, John? No, absolutely none. I remember when we won it in the Johnson's Paint Trophy and it we were at Wembley and it was just quite a nice day out, but it felt like winning a friendly, to be honest. So I, I, I value the league and everything else a lot higher. Yeah, I think apart from about maybe 200 people, most of us were frauds that day because we hadn't been to a single game in the rounds before. So it was kind of filled half of Wembley as a doubt, like you say, but we'll certainly take another one. Uh, The game we do care about this week uh, is away at Charlton. Um, Could go second if other fixtures go our way. Uh, Our record against Charlton is not too bad, actually, to be fair. We've won 11, drawn 8, lost 9. Played them, obviously, at our place at the start of the campaign, uh, beating 1-0 uh, that day. They are, they're, they're struggling, mid-table 13th. Um, potentially, however, 
we could, if things go the way that the press lead us, be facing a certain JCH in this game. Um, and that will give them a Clark Harris, Alfie May uh, strike force, which isn't something that you would expect from a mid-table league one side. Um, I'll, I'll start with you then. This is, I mean, on paper, it looks like a tough game, but based on form, this is a dead rubber. Yeah, I've um, I did a little bit of research because I don't really know too much about Charlton, um, and I've seen their form. It, it is really bad, mm. and then I've seen um, how long Appleton's been in charge charge for, and it's been basically the whole season. And I've looked at that and assumed that he's probably on borrowed time, but it looks like he's being backed in the window. Um, they played Port Vale yesterday, I believe. Port Vale had twenty nine shots, um, so if they're allowing twenty nine mm. shots from Port Vale. It's got to, it's got to be good in in our eyes, isn't it? Um, and, and then and then regarding Jono, um, I don't think he'll play in the game, but I do think he'll sign for Charlton beforehand. I mean, I it's it's set, if he does sign, surely it's set up for him to come on and score I think a ninetieth winner. You know, what his I mean? calf injury might keep him out for that uh, one specific game, and then I think he'll be back playing for Charlton yeah. next week. Let's hope he has enough respect around that then. Um, what do you expect for this one, Sam? Charlton, you know, they're a big club. They'll be disappointed with where they are. And, and like Lod says, they are in atrocious form um, and conceding for fun as well. Um, what do you expect from them next Saturday? I think it depends who we have and how we therefore line up based on how the, the transfer window goes. So, um, yeah, you know, at this moment in time, we I, I'd be confident. Some really good recent memories of of Charlton away, uh, obviously the the one nil scored by a certain Johnson Clark Harris um, in the year we went up. There was the the late drama where where Tony and Cummings and Godden were on fire at the start of that season. So we, you know we've done well there in 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 you know in recent years, um, and I'd, I'd I'd back us to to do well again. You know, given everything we've said on this pod and everything we've just said now about Charlton. Yeah. I know football isn't that simple, right? Otherwise, we'd all be rich people from betting. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I I'd be confident going into it. John, you're our uh, our manager for this one. You've been given the, uh, the 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 sheepskin jacket for the yellow block for this match. Now, obviously, we don't know what sort of squad will line up against Crawley on Wednesday. I would assume it would be a mix of sort of fringe first team players and, and the odd youth player. I don't know, but based purely on Charlton, how would you line up uh, for this one? I don't think you're going to make too many changes, are you? I think I'd probably bring in Jed Steer from the lineup today. I'm hoping Kyoso might be back. Uh, but if not, then Katongo has to be right back. And I think you go with the same team as always. I mean, this team's doing so well at the minute. I don't really want to make changes. They've got another six days to recover. We're, we're in a stage now. Obviously, we've got the crawl again. But I, I'm assuming he's going to pretty much rotate the whole squad again. Um, so they should have a full week off. There's no real reason to make any changes at the minute and we should go there for the confidence. I think Alfie May's a doubt as well. So maybe Clark Harris and Alfie May be in doubt. It's good. I've been praying that Appleton won't get sacked before the game. I think we're through <laughs> that now because I didn't want that new manager bounce. Uh, and I think it, ultimately, if we get the first goal, the crowd should turn and we should go on and win it. I, I'm, I'm relatively confident of picking up a positive result. The only thing I would say is I do look at Charlton's team and I wonder why they're struggling yeah. so much because they yeah. have got some quality. 
But I, I completely agree. I don't think you can change too much. A quick prediction league update for you. Squadron leader Jetwash remains out top on 20 points. Uh, David Dilloway, Dell, Carl Irvin joint second, third, fourth with 15. Josh Mackey and Seamus Walker fifth and sixth with 14 points. Emerald Posh is seventh with 11 points. I am eighth with 10. Producer Danny, who's not even a Posh fan, uh, is ninth with nine. Uh, and then Top Knot is tenth with eight. So let's get your predictions in for this one. Don't forget, you've still got your triple chips to use. I've unfortunately used mine, um, where you can triple your score for the week, but you only get one to use per season. Uh, Sam, I will start with you on this one. Chart and away your prediction, please. We will win two... Mm, out. Two nil. Assuming Clark Harris doesn't play and May still injured, we'll win two nil. No, we can't have caveats. Uh, so no, two nil is my guess, but I'm just giving you in case it goes horribly wrong, then I can. How did your triple chip go, by the way, Tim? Uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, Lods, your prediction for this one? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Alfie May is going to be the difference between them scoring and not scoring. I'll go for three nil, based on May not playing. So three nil posh, I assume. Not three nil, Charlton. John, your prediction for this one? I'm going for a 4-1 win and Appleton to be sacked after it. Wow, there's a prediction. I feel like you should get an extra point if that comes to fruition uh, with that. I mean, I, I'm obviously it's difficult not knowing the Crawley game. I, I don't think we can discount the Leeds game and the effect that may have on morale. I mean, you'd like to think they would come out with their heads held high, but if they are a team of winners, it will hurt. Um, there is a potential for a lot to change between now and then with ins and outs as well. I'm going to sit on the fence as I often do uh, and say score draw. Uh, I'm going to go 2 2. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris to score for Charlton in the 90th minute. 2 uh, 2 is my prediction for this one. Uh, I just, it's how football works, isn't it? Um, talking about players leaving and doing well, did we all see Sammy Smodic score a hat trick against uh, Scumbridge yesterday and then take to Twitter? Um, to uh, devote the hat-trick to Peter and I, I thought this was great, Sam. Obviously, you you would have had dealings with him from a media side of things. Uh, it's impossible not to love this guy, isn't it? One of the best, uh, most fun player interviews I've ever done. So much more away at Ipswich when we tore them apart. Um, and he did a similar thing there as what he did for us yesterday, didn't he? He scored and then devoted it to the Colchester fans, didn't he? Because obviously they, they hate them. Yeah. And I, I, I love that in a world where footballers just say, great to get the win, fans run real, on to the next. Yeah. Um, for him to inject his personality into it in an unashamed, unashamed, you know, uh, sort of vivacious way, he's just full of it, isn't he? And the fact that he remembers his old clubs and those connections, you know, you do in, in a sceptical way feel like with some players, they don't know who other clubs' local rivals are until they tell them or until the game, and then they'll probably forget it when they move on to the next, you know, you know, I realise that's probably, you know, quite, quite, quite broad brushstrokes, but I do feel with Sammy, he does cling on to those connections more than maybe other footballers would. So yeah, it was, yeah, you, you, you've got, you've got to love him and it's great to see him doing so well at Blackburn as well. Yeah. Um, he's having a great season. He's bossing it and he's just signed a new contract up there as well. So he is he is absolutely bossing it up there. Uh, just wrapping up, I don't know if you guys saw this. Sky Sports released their ultimate league. So this was the top 20 overachievers. Now, the way that they've worked this is they've taken across the Premier League and the EFL, so the 92 clubs, they've taken each club's average position in that 92 um, over the last 50 years 
and then compared it to their current rank in that 92 to see who's overachieving the most depending on their average position. I'm hoping that makes sense. Uh, who do you think tops this league in terms of being the most overachievers? And feel free to jump in, anybody. Brighton. No, it's not a bad shout. They're fourth. Uh, it's not a bad shout, though. Brighton Almost. are fourth. So Bright- Brighton's 50-year uh, rank puts them 36 in the 92. Currently, they're seventh. Uh, Sam, you just shouted in with Bournemouth, which is absolutely spot on. Um, 49th out of the 92, based on their 50-year average. And obviously, they're currently 12th, which means they're 37 spaces in terms of overachieving. Um, a certain Peter United have made the top 20. Uh, and this surprised me, if I'm honest, and maybe perhaps feeds into why I'm kind of edging more towards sympathising with Dara, because it does in black and white show that actually maybe we are achieving more than perhaps we should expect as a fan base. So our, we're 19th in this table. Our 50-year average rank in the 92 is 62nd in that table. And obviously, we're currently 47th in that um in that table as it stands. So that's an overachieving rank of 15, uh, which is pretty good. I'll, I'll take that. It appears to the clubs that start with the letter B do well. The top four is Bournemouth, Brentford, Burton and Brighton. Um, so it feels as though if your club starts with B, you're in uh, you're, you're in good stead. How are um, Tim? How are Fleetwood? So Fleetwood are fifth. Uh, so they make up the, the top five. Yeah, your top 20 is Bournemouth, Brentford, Burton, Brighton, Fleetwood, Stevenage, Wickham, Lincoln, Cheltenham, Luton, Northampton, Fulham, Accrington, Hull, AFC, Wimbledon, Burnley, Crawley, Plymouth, Posh and Exeter. Mixture of teams there. So we are, by all intents and purposes, overachieving. So as much as that took a, a lot to explain, I feel like it's a really good uh, graph, actually. I'll, I'll see if I can get producer Danny to put it back on social media if you haven't already because it's um yeah it's quite interesting uh, anything else that anyone else would like to uh bring up on this new year new pod oh it's nice to see the uh yellow block back out on the main stand wasn't it um i, I wonder why posh took down the banner probably to sell a couple more uh, seats <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did think this as well um and i also like the fact that when leeds when full time came leeds is uh twitter uh sort of message for the final score just said Bosch, which I thought was quite clever from uh, from the Leeds point of view. That did make me that did make me giggle as well. Uh yeah, no, Yellow Block was back out today, um, albeit under some Leeds fans. Um but yeah, maybe maybe they've had a change of heart. You know, I'm being pro Dara now. Perhaps they're being a bit more pro Yellow Block. Maybe everybody's getting on um, as we go into the new year. I don't know. And and not only was the Yellow Block visible for those in the in the ground, it was also lovely, um Tim I use this very old-fashioned device. I, I, I flicked on a switch and then I turned on my radio to listen to the game for free. Wow. Didn't have to pay a penny. Didn't have to prove I wasn't a robot. Didn't have to wrestle with payment. It was it was absolutely joyous. And if I had to leave the house, I could put it on on an app as well without having to pay and listen to the full game. I loved it, even despite the result. I've got a feeling if they were considering um, keeping the other block out for uh, to be generous to the other block, they've probably just changed their minds now. Yeah, potentially. You know what, though, Sam? I I can't I can't listen to the radio anymore. Not since Sam Edwards is not on it. It's just it's not it's not the same. Nothing against Ben and the team. I just it's not the same for me without a certain Sam Edwards. Well, I mean, you you're in the, you're in a small club, I think, Tim. <laughs> no, Sam Edwards for me was the epitome of posh commentary. Um, yeah, it's you that's know, Edwin. I, that's Edwin Overland. No. Not for me. It was, I was, I mean, Edwin was a lovely, 
individual with a wealth of knowledge, but I didn't particularly enjoy listening to a controversial. I know I didn't particularly enjoy listening to him. For me, it was it was Sam Edwards getting overexcited. Um, on, Tim, on I have to say, out of all the people I've heard commentate on whether their uh, neighbours' flats on fire or not, you're <laughs> definitely um, the best that I've heard. Thanks, lads. It is all clear now. I don't know what was going on, but it is. I'm glad I didn't call the fire brigade. Is all I'm, I'm saying, uh, and I'm also glad I didn't sort of break into their house and walk in on whatever was causing that steam because that could have, you know, could have been, been awkward. Uh, thanks, fellas, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Yellow Block. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on the socials or visit our website, theyellowblock.co.uk. We'll be back next week, looking back at Crawley and Charlton and review and preview, I should say, the Shrewsbury game up the posh. That's the problem when you're actually on the podcast. You can't listen back. Well, you can, but it's just a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, no, it sounds. I've had that a few times where um, we sort of you feel like you've absolutely smashed an episode. It's going to be a great listener. You listen back and it's garbage. Then other times you think, oh, that was that's most of the time. Well, yeah, no. To to be fair, it is. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.